I want to talk a little bit about the thought life. The next lust of the flesh we're going to get to is idolatry. But right now I want to talk about the thought life because understanding this is important and is kind of key. One of the traps that the flesh or carnal nature or devil or whatever you want to call it, one of the traps it tries to catch us in is the idea of thinking about things that are perhaps not current things. Maybe I'm dwelling upon the past. Oh, the time that this horrible thing happened or that horrible thing happened. Or maybe I got anxiety. I'm dwelling upon the future about things that haven't happened. I'm already thinking about tomorrow and I haven't even got to tomorrow. And I'm thinking about tomorrow so intensely that I actually miss all of today or a portion of today. We have to watch out for this. This is kind of how a lot of the immorality works, is it gets you caught up thinking about a circumstance that's not in front of you. That's generally what happens when people get caught up in lust and pornography, is they're staring at a screen thinking about, oh, look at that thing they're doing. That would be fun to try out with some other human if I actually had another human instead of just a computer. But here they are, and what they're doing is they're dwelling and meditating and thinking about maybe some future event. And yet God himself is present with you right now. You could literally right now be spending time with the living God who will actually set you free. And if you're a lonely person, if you got caught into porn because you, the, the soul of you is crying out for connection with another human, well, sometimes we get married people who have that other human right there. And they're so caught in pornography that they can't even see the other human because they're thinking about not the other person they got, their spouse. They're thinking about the internet. Or you got the people who are single who are thinking about, hey, one day when I find me a man or a woman, a husband or wife. But right now you have God. And God himself will actually set you on a journey of freeing you and of genuinely bringing you to a better place of connection than any of these lustful thoughts ever could. So it's very important that we get a hold of our thought life and say, Lord, who am I right now? Who are you for me in this moment? Sometimes people always want to know, Lord, where should I be going and what should I be doing? They're very interested to know in the moment. I will tell you the relationship with God starts off with love and sonship. Sometimes you say, hey, Lord, who am I right now? Hi, oh, you're somebody that's just sitting down hanging out with me, reading my word. Hey, Eric, you're a dad right now. Go spend some time with your kids. They, they need to see you. All right, awesome. Not everything we have to do needs to seem super spiritual. But we do want to yield to the Lord and to Him guiding us. And we want to be very careful for the thought life coming in and trying to steal the present away from us. This may not be the case across the board, but you know, I've done some counseling and just being a lawyer, I get to run into a lot of this stuff. And one of the things I have found, I'm also a war veteran, and I'm gonna tell you, a lot of war veterans are so stuck dwelling on the past, on their experience of what it was in war, what happened, that they never get free to experience the present. And it destroys their present reality because in their thought life, 
they're stuck in a time and a place that they are not currently actually in. So open up your eyes and ask yourself, where are you right now? Where are you at? What are you doing? What's in front of you? What's going on? Are you so busy dwelling upon something else that you're literally watching life pass you by and you don't even realize it? This is why we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because our thought life can actually be used against us. Remember, that's why it's called the carnal mind. Not a carnal spirit. It's the carnal mind. We used to think a lot and it may be a particular way. And now there, there's a habit. It's not a sin nature, but it's the sin habit of thinking in that way. And this is why the spirit-led life, you know, I often describe it as it's a, a switch from thinking to hearing and obeying. And it's a, a very, very different kind of shift. You know, if you're used to just thinking, thinking and functioning from what you think, this is more like putting on a blindfold and then listening to someone else give you instructions and you trying to carry out those instructions you're not going just off of what you can see and accomplish and perform on your own. You're going off of what the Spirit of God is telling you. And sometimes the Spirit of God will start telling you stuff that doesn't make sense to your reasonable mind. Just look in the Bible. Hey Moses, walk over to that sea and lift your hands and that sea is going to spread apart for you. What? That's crazy. And the Red Sea parts. Hey Peter, hop out of that boat and start walking on that lake. Well, that just sounds crazy to the reasonable mind. You can't walk on water. And there's Peter walking on water. Ask yourself this. How much time do you spend in your thought life dwelling upon doing the supernatural, doing the works of Jesus Christ, of being a Christian to people? Do you spend more time thinking about what you're going to have for lunch? or more time thinking about who you could impact for the kingdom while you're having lunch. Get control of your thought life because it's often a runaway train. That's that carnal mind. So I would encourage you to begin to dwell upon kingdom things with your thought life. But also don't let your thought life be that that controls you. You, through the Spirit of Christ, need to control it. And here's the reason I'm bringing this up. It's a trap of the carnal nature. And it, here's how it might work. Uh, let's just say, since we were kind of doing the subject of sexual immorality and impurity, and I really, really want to set people free from this. I'm really hoping people find freedom. Just because this is something that is corrupting our society and world at large. And it is time we bring a holiness movement back. Uh, pure, pure hearts, pure minds, pure thoughts. But let's say these thoughts show up and they say, hey, maybe you're at the mall and there's some attractive waitress at the restaurant or whatever at the mall. And the thought comes to you, hey, she's pretty hot. Would you consider hooking up with her? Or, or maybe you're, you're thinking about something on pornography at a future point in time because you're all by yourself. It's not like you're about to have sex with a woman if you're sitting here all by yourself. So it's getting you thinking about something that's not actually in front of you. And so maybe, maybe that waitress is in front of you, but you're not actually 
thinking about her right now, engaging her, saying, hey, I'm attracted to her. Let me go ask her out or talk to her a little bit. Instead, you start dwelling in your thought life about something that's maybe not here right now. Maybe it's a lustful thought. And it's the idea of, hey, oh man, I could hook up with that girl, blah, blah, blah. And later on, yada, yada, be doing stuff. But what's actually in front of you right now? Maybe the person's in front of you. Maybe there's a desire for you. to. Maybe you're a single man interested in that waitress and you want to go pursue her for a relationship. Well, don't get caught up in thinking about sex and lust and something outside of where you're at right now. Stop and bring yourself back into to where you are in this moment and say, Lord, who are you in me right now? Hey, you got the butterflies in your stomach? Go talk to her. Talk to the Lord. But come back to right now. You've got to be careful about your thought life robbing you of your present. Because I said this before about uh, pornography and some other addictions, but it'll take you further than you want to go and it'll keep you there longer than you want to be there. And one of the biggest traps that it uses is taking your mind out of the present moment. It takes you out of where you are and puts you where you aren't in your thought process. And the thoughts that may come to you may be carnal. They may feel good to the flesh. Oh, hey, here's this idea of, you know, some sort of sexual act at a later point in time. And that would come with the physical manifestation that feels good. Yeah, but where are you right now? You're in the middle of a restaurant. Don't be having sex. You're in a restaurant. So you've got to get back to where you are right now. You've got to come to where you are so you can say, Holy Spirit, who am I in this present moment? So I'm going to share with you the thing that I struggle with probably the most, which the Lord has helped really, really start setting me from. And it's, you know, I don't consider it quite one of the lusts of the flesh, maybe when we get to the last one. But my biggest struggle is I love to read books, every spiritual book out there. And the Lord always interrupts me and takes me right back to the Word of God. But my thing is, I love to go and I love to lock myself away and just spend time with the Lord. And for me, sometimes to the detriment of my family. I'm not going to go into the whole history of why, but let's just say I spent a great majority of my childhood locked away in a bedroom due to what I consider not good parenting. So the idea of being locked away in a room on my own is actually a very comfortable place for me problem is I got two wonderful kids who love their dad. They love hanging out with me. So I've actually got to stop sometimes because there's this thought process in me that says, hey, go lock yourself away and keep reading all these spiritual things and you'll keep growing and growing and becoming, you know, the super duper Christian that you, you, you want to be, the super duper Christian you're destined to be. And yet sometimes the Lord will interrupt me and say, hey, Eric, why don't you ask me who you're supposed to be right now? And I've gotten in the habit of doing that. It's like, hey, Lord, who am I right now? Hey, Eric, you're a dad. Go be with your kids. I'm like, well, yeah, Jesus, but that, that feels less spiritual than being up here even reading the Bible right now. And believe it or not, I obey the Lord. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to go play building blocks with my kids. I'm going to go play golf out front with my son. My son is a golf wonder. That kid is a golf prodigy in the making. He is only four years old at the time of this recording. And that kid has got golf skills that I, I'm still trying to be that good of a golfer. Anyways, so I'll listen to the Lord. And I'll be like, all right, I'm going to be a dad. It doesn't feel near as spiritual as reading the Bible, but I'm going to go do what Jesus told me to do. 
and I go hang out with my kids and we're playing building blocks. And I kid you not, the Lord starts teaching me through playing building blocks. I'll be playing with my kids and still hearing from the Lord. And sometimes I get better spiritual lessons from playing building blocks than I do from a lot of these Christianese books that have been written out there. And the reason why is because I yielded to who the Lord said I was in that moment. If you want to begin to manifest the Spirit of God, you've got to yield to who He is in the moment. I'm actually going to share another story. This is a supernatural story. For those of you who haven't heard a lot of supernatural stuff, this one might sound a little bit crazy. And believe me, it was crazy to me too. But I've seen the Lord do this over and over and over when it comes to finding lost things. So one of these particular days, I'm up here trying to trying to read my books, and the Lord just prompts me strongly, go be a dad to your son right now. Go play golf with him. And I'm like, all right, Lord, so we're going to go out front. We're going to play golf. My son's a good golfer. But we had this little garden flag that my wife likes to, you know, put the little cute decorations and stuff out front. And she's got this little flag in the garden, or at least she had one. It had like a little puppy sitting inside of a truck. I don't know, some little adorable flag, fall theme or something like that. And one day this really strong windstorm comes through and it blows the flag away. It is gone. That was a really strong wind gust. I don't know where that flag is, and it's been gone for at least a week to two at this point. Me and my son had been using that flag as our aiming point for golf when we play golf in the front yard. And I had taught my son up until this point that God helps us find lost things. When we lose toys, we pray and ask the Lord, and we usually find the toys really quickly. We've even had a handful of times that the toys pretty much just manifest in our presence. And it's a highly unusual thing to see. But God is God Almighty. All things are possible to him who believes. So we've had a number of experience of praying for lost objects and just seeing them come back. And this particular day, I am being the mighty man of faith. Not really. I'm actually in hardcore doubting. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm like, son, that flag is gone. It's been gone for two weeks. The wind blew it. You know, my son is like, daddy, God helps us find lost things. And like, I know I've taught him this, but honestly, I'm not believing it at the moment. And he's like, daddy, God helps us find lost things. And really what's going through my mind is that it's going to cost me like 12 bucks to replace this flag. And I don't want to pay the 12 bucks to replace some little garden decoration because I'm not a decorative guy. My wife loves to decorate. I just, I don't know. That's more of a girl thing, I guess. Some guys might like it, but I don't really care. I'd be okay with just a plain house with some walls and whatever. But here's my son, daddy. I want that flag. God will bring us back this lost flag. Let's pray and ask him for it. And so in my mind, I'm like, all right, just to appease the kid so he'll quit asking, let's pray really quick. And I'm expecting absolutely nothing. So this was based on my son's faith. There's not a chance this came from my faith in this particular moment. But I hold hands with my son and I say, you know, dear God, please help us find that flag in Jesus' name. I didn't even make it to amen. And I saw a flash of light out of the corner of my eye and I look over and only a few steps from where we're standing, here's the flag wrapped around one of my really small bushes in my front garden. I've been in that garden for the last two weeks, 
Me and my son have been playing golf in that garden. We've hit golf balls into that garden and stepped over that bush multiple times. My wife's been out front. When this particular thing happened, my wife, my daughter, my son, and myself were all out front. Now, my daughter was only like three. You know, she's still only three. But she definitely could have missed it just because her observation skill is not quite as good. But there's no way me, my son, and my wife all just happened to miss that flag until my son and I are praying for it. And here's a little flash of light. And then here's the flag laying on the ground. That was God literally bringing back a little $12 garden flag with a puppy on it so that me and my son could aim golf balls at it. That's crazy. That's awesome, too. That's how much God loves us. He's willing to bring back lost things. But for me, I'm looking and I'm like, look, I want to talk to you about the thought life because there's the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. And you can get caught up in both of them and neither of them manifest the Spirit of God. I was caught up in the knowledge of good this day saying, hey, Lord, I'm going to read some books because it's a good thing to do. But it wasn't the Spirit of God in me. You might be that person who's caught up you know, in the lust thing, on the knowledge of evil. Hey, I'm going to go look at porn and commit adultery or, or casual intercourse or whatever. You might be on that side of the knowledge of good and evil. Neither of those are the Spirit of God. I had to have my knowledge of good thought life interrupted. Put down the book and go hang out with your son. By doing so, I literally saw the Spirit of God manifest and I saw a miracle occur right in my presence. What if I had skipped out to do what I thought was good? I never would have seen that miracle that day. And I assure you, out of the hundreds of books I have from all kind of wonderful ministers in the body of Christ, there's not a one book that I would value enough to have skipped out on getting to experience that miracle with my son to read some book. I don't even know what book I was reading that morning, but I do remember the miracle that occurred after I put the book down and followed where the Lord told me to go. So my encouragement to you with the thought life is just do your best, get it under control. Don't just do your best. Let the Lord do his best through you and begin to yield and surrender to him. If you're caught in the knowledge of evil, and we're going to see a lot of that in the lust of the flesh, but we're also going to see the knowledge of good when we get to this list of the lust of the flesh where you think you're doing good and it's actually not good because it's it's the knowledge of good and evil, which is the carnal nature, and it's not the spirit of the living Christ in you. So both of those topics are being covered. In case I sound like I'm bouncing back and forth here, if you don't understand the knowledge of good and evil, we'll talk more about that later. Just understand that both branches of the tree, the knowledge of good is one way of thinking. The knowledge of evil is actually, it's kind of another way of thinking, but they're both actually the same way of thinking. They just look different. If you're caught within the tree, you would think there's a huge difference between those two processes. And I'm not saying good versus evil is the same. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the knowledge of good versus the knowledge of evil they both come from one tree and that tree brings death and it's actually a bit of a trap and a bit of a pyramid scheme and a bit of a hamster wheel that you just get stuck on forever and so the shift is to get out of that knowledge system and into the system of the life of jesus christ who is the source of all wisdom so i'm not saying you become a dumb person that's not thinking 
I'm saying you become an intelligent person who's obeying the voice of God. So again, just reiterating, don't let your days get robbed. Don't let your miracles be robbed because you're off either doing bad things or things that you think are good things, but they're not what God's calling you to do. Don't get robbed of your miracle opportunities and of getting to experience the manifest spirit of God. I want to ask you a question, and I'm just going to tell you up front, this is a trick question. So I gave an example earlier of a guy at a restaurant thinking about a waitress. I want to shift that scenario slightly. Imagine you got a man who's at the restaurant with his wife. And yet now he's thinking lustful thoughts about that waitress. Hey, how can I go hook up with that waitress? Even though he's got his wife right there with him. But then you got a different guy. You got me sitting upstairs. You got me reading some books from Christian ministers. And yet you got the spirit of God saying, Eric, put the books down. Go be with your son. Which one of those acts was sinful? Was it the guy in the restaurant thinking about committing adultery? Or was it the guy upstairs reading some Christianese books? Well, what's your definition of sin? If your definition of sin is just what we would call the knowledge of evil, the bad behavior then we would consider the guy in the restaurant thinking about adultery, that he would be the one doing something sinful by dwelling upon those thoughts. Remember, Jesus said he who looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But what about the guy upstairs reading the spiritual books? Is he obeying the Spirit of God within him or is the activity he's doing something that's disconnected from the Spirit of God? I would actually say both of those things were sinful. One of them is what we would call the knowledge of evil, and one of them is what we would call the knowledge of good. But neither were of the Spirit of God. I do agree that there's often a process where the church will try to train people out of the knowledge of evil, but the problem is they often try to train people to replace it with simply the knowledge of good instead of the Spirit of Christ in you. This is what religion does. Religion would say, hey, don't think about adultery. Instead, think about reading Christianese books. And don't get me wrong, I'm not condemning the idea of reading books from Christian ministers, but I am saying simply going from the guy at the restaurant to the guy reading the books is not actually switching to the Christian life. Going from the guy who's thinking on his own to the guy who is listening to the Spirit of God and obeying it, that is the Christian life. This is why there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Because that knowledge of good and evil, that was the fall of man. That's the thing that today still causes all the problems everywhere in our society, all systems, all structures. All death 
comes from the knowledge of good and evil because it is us attempting to make our own way yet while disconnected from the Spirit of God. I can attempt to do many, many seemingly good deeds, and yet if I'm disconnected from the Spirit of God, no matter where I go and how good I try to be, there's actually a really good chance I'm deceptively bringing death to those around me, even when I think it's good what I'm doing. This is why it needs to no longer be I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ knows the circumstance better than I do. This is why faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the voice of God. Faith does not come by me thinking and deciding whatever I think is best. So this is just something we want to be careful for, because it is very possible for people to do spiritual and seemingly religious things and it to be just as disconnected from the Spirit of God as the people doing evil things. Our battle is not to get everybody to go from the knowledge of evil to simply their own knowledge of good. It's to get everybody from going on relying from themselves to relying on Jesus Christ.